0: Well this evening I'm turning back to Luke chapter 11 which we read a few moments ago and I'd like to direct your attention especially to verses 21, 22 and 23 this evening. Let me just read those verses to you again. Luke chapter 11 and verse 21, 22 and 23. It says, When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace when a stronger than he shall come upon him, and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armour wherein he trusted, and divideth his spoils. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me <coughs> scattereth. And my title tonight for our gospel message is Christ is Mighty to Save. Christ is Mighty to Save. Today, as I'm sure you're aware, is the 31st of October, a day that in our land, sadly, is increasingly becoming known as Halloween. And leading up to this day, I'm sure you've seen many people have decorated their homes and their gardens with cobwebs and large spiders. They've placed fake tombstones on their lawns, ghosts, grim reapers, skeletons hanging over the door and so on. Perhaps a, a danger sign, morning of death if you approach the house. These sorts of things on people's houses. If you were to uh, live in North America where Halloween has an even greater popularity, whole streets and neighbourhoods will go to a particular area and there's enormous elaborate displays. People will travel from miles to come and see these houses. And it's become increasingly common to go to haunted houses at this time of year where actors jump out at you and try and scare you, and perhaps they're covered in fake blood and they're dressed as all sorts of horrible and dark things. And tonight, even here, as we're in this service of worship, there's young children in our streets who will be dressing up as witches and dressing up as mummies and ghosts, even caricatures of the the devil with pitchforks and uh, horns and so on, knocking on doors, playing... A trick-or-treat, supposedly for a bit of fun. Let me just say right at the very start tonight that whatever you may read regarding the origins of Halloween, such disturbing practices have no place in true biblical Christianity. We should never trifle with the occult. We should never trifle with these things of darkness. These things are are wicked and, and wrong. But I read somewhere this week regarding Halloween that uh, I read this particular article and one level it shocked me, but in another way it didn't surprise me at all. And in this particular piece that I was reading, it said they're dressing up as ghosts and dressing up as devils, you know, decorating our gardens with tombstones and skeletons. It enables us as a people to deal with those things that used to scare us, the, the things that used to make our ancestors tremble. This article said that Halloween gives us the opportunity to poke fun at the devil. Well, in our passage here before us this evening, the Lord Jesus Christ had a very different attitude towards the devil. Christ did not speak of poking fun at Satan or making a mockery of his devils. Instead, the Lord spoke very seriously and very solemnly about Satan. In this passage that we read a few moments ago, the Lord Jesus Christ had encountered a person who was possessed by a devil. We read of that in verse 14 there. And the devil had possession not only over this person's soul, but they had possession over this person's body. So much so, we read that the person was dumb. They couldn't speak. The devil controlled their mouth. Matthew in his gospel also adds that this person was blind. The devil had taken away their sight so that they were in darkness. And such was Satan's control over this person that he possessed them, that he had dominion over their faculties. But Jesus, in verse 14, cast out this devil and he freed this man from the control and the tyranny of Satan. And Christ shows to this onlooking long-looking crowd watching him that he has the power to save this man who was possessed by Satan however as the people watched on as they looked on and saw this amazing miracle as they witnessed this deliverance some began to murmur against the Lord Jesus Christ you see Jesus was different wasn't he from the scribes and the Pharisees he taught them very different things the scribes and the Pharisees disagreed with him on so many points of doctrine and as they looked on at the Lord Jesus Christ as they saw this mysterious power to save and to deliver They came to the conclusion that the Lord Jesus Christ must have this power from Satan himself. And so they accused Jesus of being in league with Satan. Here in our passage that we read this evening, Satan is called Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. You see that in verse 15 there. And they said Christ's power comes from Beelzebub. We're actually told in Mark's account that the scribes said that Jesus had Beelzebub. He was, in a sense, possessed by the devil himself. But Jesus is very quick to point out to them the gaping flaw in their thinking. He shows them that if a kingdom is divided against itself, it will not stand. He says to them, it will fall, it will come to utter ruin. And so Christ says to them, look, your logic, it doesn't make sense. If what you're saying is true, then Satan is destroying his own kingdom. Instead, Christ says this power, this power that he possessed, this power is none other than the very finger of God in verse 20. It's God's power that Christ was exerting. This is God's might. He is the one who is sovereign over the devils. And it's by him that the devil has been cast out. It's through the power of Almighty God. And so to follow up his argument that he presents to him here in verse 21, Christ begins a parable to explain what he means. And it's this parable uh, that Christ reveals to his audience uh, truths concerning Satan. Through this parable he reveals truths concerning themselves. But more importantly, he reveals truths concerning Christ, the great Saviour. And it's this parable that I want us to consider tonight. And I want us to notice as we look at it three things very briefly this evening as we look at this parable. And the first thing that we notice in this parable is Satan the strong. Satan the strong. Look at verse 21 with me. He says, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. Christ here is describing the the soul or the heart of a man or woman. And he uses this picture of a palace. And this palace, he says here, is controlled and owned and kept by someone who Christ describes here as being a strong man. And this strong man that Christ is referring to is Satan, it's the devil. What Christ is saying is that the heart of a person, the soul of a person, is under the rule and the dominion of the devil. He has the power and the control, just as he controlled the faculties of that man back in verse 14. So the devil controls and keeps the heart of a man. And Jesus, here in this parable, he gives a little bit of detail about what this strong man is like. And you notice firstly, as we think about this strong man, he highlights the power of Satan. Satan is strong, he says, far stronger than any man. He possesses might, he possesses power. You may try all you like in your own strength to overcome Satan. And you may try and overpower Satan, but you will always fail. Because Satan is strong. Now, perhaps some of you here this evening, you don't believe me. You don't believe that Satan is strong. You think that you can deal with Satan all by yourselves. Well, I can give you a very quick test for you to test this out, to see just how powerful you are against Satan. And the test is its a very simple one. All you have to do from this point forward is never sin again. See if you can go through the rest of this night. See if you can go through tomorrow without ever committing one sin in thought or word or deeds. See if you can go about even a few hours without breaking God's law. You'll find when you do this little test, you will find Satan is stronger than you. You will find that Satan is the one who is the strong man who is armed. He is powerful. We're told he's like a roaring lion in scripture. We're told that he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's described as a dragon. In other parts of Scripture, he's told we're told that he's a prince, he's the prince of the power of the air. Satan has strength and he is stronger than you. But not only do we see here that he possesses great power, but we see that he owns great provisions. Christ tells us that this strong man is armed. He has a a huge, as it were, arsenal of weapons. He possesses a vast armory behind him. And within this armory, Satan holds every conceivable weapon that he uses to manipulate man and man's hearts swords and spears and axes and guns satan has it all and he uses it all he has fiery darts which he fires in malice he has his snares he has his traps to lure and capture sinners and satan is cunning isn't he he's an artful tactician he deploys his weapons with maximum effects he selects each one carefully to bring the sinner down he's skillful he's subtle And he may use all sorts of things to capture us as sinners. And you tonight, he uses the the trap of pleasure. Or he may pull out the dagger of presumption. He can often cleverly wield the sword of lies. Or he fires arrows from the bow of doubt. He uses all sorts of weapons to bring the sinner under his control. He's a strong man armed, he has great provisions, but not only does he have great provisions and great power, but we're also told that Satan has protection. You see, not only is he armed, but he has armour. You notice in verse 22, Christ talks about his armour wherein he trusted Satan wears thick, impenetrable armour. His breastplate, in a sense, is pride. His helmet is self-conceit. He has a shield of sin. And he loves to camouflage himself, doesn't he, as an angel of light. This is perhaps, I think, one of the greatest tactics that he uses for protection in our world today. He loves to transform himself into an angel of light. He loves to look righteous and he loves to appear sincere, but he deceives We've got thousands, millions in our land who don't even believe the devil exists. He's brought this lie, this deception that he doesn't, he's not even there. And so Satan, we see here, not only is he armed, but he has this armour, he has protection. But there's a final thing that we can say here about Satan. Not only does he have this power, not only does he possess provisions and protection, but he also preserves. He preserves at all costs his palace. You notice what Christ says there he says that when a strong man armed keepeth his palace he watches it that word keep it means to in a sense place garrisons he patrols the perimeter of this palace he he, he puts up his sentinels on every wall every corner Satan has in a sense the best CCTV cameras around this palace watching he'll do everything in his power to ensure that no one can take his goods that means that even tonight as you've come in here to a gospel meeting satan is listening out when he hears the word of god he'll do everything in his power to to protect you from hearing the words of eternal life Perhaps he shuts down ear gates so you don't hear it anymore. Perhaps he turns on things in your mind so that you immediately begin to doubt what you're hearing. You begin to turn away from the truth. Perhaps he distracts you with other thoughts about the week that's to come. And he loves to fill your mind with everything and anything apart from the gospel. He's trying to preserve his palace. You see, what he likes to do, you see, whenever the gospel's preached, he likes to treat it like an intruder and he likes to bind it and tear it and pull it down and destroy it. Remember what we're told in the parable of the sower, that the birds of the air come down, the fowls of the air, and they take the seed away before it ever gets root. And maybe Satan's even trying to do that tonight with someone here. Keep his palace, preserve it. Like a castle, whenever the truth is presented, he pulls up the drawbridge, seeks to prevent anything good and truth entering into the palace. And of course, Satan is sleepless as well. Satan guards the heart of the sinner against the gospel and against grace, and he does, does it all day and all night. You see, he'll do anything to prevent your conscience from being pricked. He'll do anything To prevent that truth from coming into your heart. Anything to stop you being stirred and convicted of your sin. Satan keeps his palace. And Satan is a confident foe. He knows his palace. He knows the degree of self-love that exists in your heart. He knows the unbelief that (laughs) resides in your heart. He knows the sin that you love to return to. And so he loves to present that before you. To keep you from coming to Christ. He's so confident that he can keep you. And you see, the picture that Christ presents to us here of Satan is one of a dangerous and mighty warrior. One who will at all costs, using every dirty tactic, will preserve and keep his palace. And so you see, tonight, friends, while dressing a little child up as a devil with a pitchfork is a foolish thing to do, Satan is a formidable foe. Attempting to poke fun at the devil is reckless. He's strong. And as Christ shows us in this parable, Satan possesses the sinner, <laughs> and he dwells within the unbeliever. You see, he has control; he has power over the hearts of his captors and friends. Tonight, if you're still a sinner, let me tell you that your heart is the palace of Satan. Satan is strong. Satan keeps you. You're you're Satan's slave. You're in his chains. His chains are heavy around your soul. You can't move without him saying so. Don't be fooled into thinking tonight that the devil and death and hell and the powers of darkness are something to be trifled with. Because, sinner, you're under Satan's mastery. You see, he controlled this man back in verse 14 in his body. But what he does, this is a picture of what he does in every soul. Possesses controls, he's the master. Now some of you here tonight, you may say, well, you know, I've got, a, I've got a degree of peace. I don't know that Satan's not troubling me, Satan's not pestering me, I've got a peace. Satan can do that for you. You see what it says in our verse, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. You see, he can do this, he can bring you into a slumber, he can bring you into a peace, but it's the peace and the slumber of death. You can go for a walk, can not you, through a graveyard. It can be very peaceful. It can be very quiet. But it's a place of death. It's the peace of death. And Satan can bring a lull upon your soul so that you, you have no idea that you're under his control. You have no idea that he is controlling and mastering you. And perhaps there's someone even here like that tonight. You've never really given these things any thoughts. Perhaps you just carried on living your life in, in a blissful ignorance, as it were, of Satan and his power and his mastery. And friends, Satan loves to do this. Loves to keep you blissfully, peacefully carrying on in your sin. It's one of his tricks. Loves to convince people he doesn't really exist. Loves you to get the idea that it's it's just like that little man running around with a pitchfork and, uh, and, and devil's horns and so on. It's all quite harmless. And I know, friends, tonight Satan is the great and the powerful enemy of the soul. And if you're not a Christian tonight, he has your soul. He possesses it, he keeps it. And you're <clears> under <throat> his power. But, you know, thankfully Christ doesn't end the parable there with the strong man because he introduces a second character into our parable, into the illustration here. And this leads us on to our second point this evening, which is Christ the conqueror. Christ the conqueror. Look at verse 22. Christ says this. He says, but when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armour wherein he trusteth. And divideth his spoils. And Christ introduces us to this second person. And this in this description we, we learn a number of things about this man. We read, firstly, that he's stronger than Satan. You see that at the beginning of the verse. He, he's stronger than the one and he comes upon him. Secondly, this man enters into a skirmish with him because we says, he says that he's going to come upon him, he's going to fight with him, he engages in battle with the devil. Thirdly, it tells us that he is successful against Satan. Because we're told that he overcomes him and he strips him of his armour and he divides the spoils. It's, a, it's a, a wonderful conquest. And this character then is someone who is mighty, someone who is valiant, someone who is a great conqueror. And whoever this character is, is able to subdue and defeat Satan. Whoever this character is, is able to bring deliverance to the soul of a sinner. And so the question we ask ourselves is, well, who is this mighty conqueror that Christ is speaking of? Who is able to vanquish the devil? And the answer, friends, of course, is Christ. Christ is speaking of himself. He is the valiant warrior. He is the one more powerful than the devil. He is the mighty conqueror who can deliver sinners from the grasp of Satan. He's the great champion who can crush and subdue and overcome all the powers of darkness. Friends, tonight, Christ is the great conquering king. And we could furnish this point tonight by giving you so many verses, so many examples that prove exactly what Jesus is saying here. You could go right back to the very first gospel promise in Genesis 3.15. Remember when God is speaking to Satan himself and he tells him one day a man's going to come, the seed of the woman. And this man, he's going to bruise Satan's head. Literally, he's going to destroy him, he's going to crush him. You see, it was promised right back in Genesis chapter 3. Christ is going to come and he's going to conquer Satan. You could have further proof here in verse 14. Jesus encounters this man possessed with a devil and he casts the devil out. So much so that whilst he was blind, whilst he was dumb, yet now he sees, now he speaks, he's he's delivered him. And of course you could have other examples in the gospel where Christ met those who were possessed of Satan. Just a few words, Christ, that's all it needs for Christ. And he cast the devils out. Power just in the voice, in the words of Christ. What power Jesus of Nazareth had. The person possessed was powerless they were like putty in the devil's hands but with just a few words from the savior and satan flees every mary magdalene every legion we read of in scripture who was delivered from the clutches of satan they're all outstanding monuments of Christ's power and of Christ's mercy Well there's further proof, you could go to the wilderness, remember when Satan was tempted by, uh, when Christ rather was tempted by Satan, he tried every tactic didn't he? Satan tried everything in those 40 days, he pulled out every weapon he's got in his vast arsenal to attack the Lord Jesus Christ. But it was like getting a pea shooter out and firing at an armoured plated tank because Christ resisted every attack and the devil fled from him. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is stronger than Satan. But of course the place where we see the greatest triumph of Christ over Satan was at the cross. Remember the crowd, they sat down and watched the Lord Jesus Christ. What they saw was nothing more than a Jew, the son of a carpenter, expiring on a Roman crucifix. That's all they could see, it was just a spectacle to them. There was nothing heroic, nothing valiant to see there as a man dies upon a cross. To them it was ignominy. To them it was utter shame. But it was there, wasn't it at Calvary, that Christ led captivity captive. It was there at Calvary that he was spoiling principalities and powers. It was there at Calvary that he made a show of them openly, triumphing over their minutes. it. It was there at Calvary. Hebrews tells us that through death he destroyed him that hath the power of death. That is the devil you see it was at the cross that the lord jesus christ he went toe to toe didn't he with satan and he fought him in deadly combat gethsemane and gabbatha and golgotha they were the fields of battle and when christ died on the cross it seemed didn't it to all the world like beelzebub like the devil had been victorious when the body of jesus christ was placed in that tomb it appeared like the triumph belonged to sin and it belonged to death and it belonged to satan but then on the third day, on the third day, the Lord Jesus Christ, he rises from the tomb. It's him who had trod the winepress alone, wasn't it? Death had been conquered. Sin had been overcome. Satan is bound and defeated. And Christ is valiant. Christ emerged from the grave as the great conqueror, didn't he? Of the forces of darkness. He was the vanquisher of Satan. And sinner tonight, you are under the power of Satan, but there is deliverance available in Jesus Christ. He, we read in Isaiah, is mighty to save. He is able to save. He is strong to save. And he's willing to save. This parable of Christ shows us that we can never save ourselves. We are weak. We are insufficient to overpower Satan. But Christ can And so, sinner, tonight, here is your only hope. Only Christ, the conqueror, can set you free. And so the question I have for you tonight is, are you free? Are you free in Christ? Have you been delivered from sin and from Satan because you know Christ is your saviour? If you trusted in him, he's the one who comes, as it were, breaks into the prison and he takes off the chains and he sets you free and he liberates you. I pray and trust that everyone here would be free and know Christ's glorious deliverance. It only comes by trusting in him. When you come and you repent of your sin and you trust in Christ, he sets you free. Satan gets bound, he no longer has dominion over you, he's cast out, his spoils are divided. And Christ is the one who comes and he enters into the palace and he resides in the heart of the believer. But you know, Christ doesn't end the parable there because he adds a conclusion to the end of the parable. And this takes us to our third point this evening very briefly. Having seen Satan the strong and considered Christ the conqueror, I want you to notice thirdly with me that none are neutral. None are neutral. Notice what he says in verse 23. He says, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth. You know, back in verse 14, when Christ had performed this great miracle, there was different reactions. There so often was, wasn't there, to the miracles of Christ. There was crowds watching. And there's all sorts of reactions to what Jesus had done. Some directly opposed Jesus. Others believed in him but there were those who appeared as it were to be neither for christ or against christ they seemed to as it were um and are they seemed to be on the fence was christ the messiah was he who he claimed to be what do these miracles mean and they were they were wondering and they may have been tempted to say that regarding christ they were they were really neutral i'm not really sure what do you think of christ i don't know what do you think they were perhaps they thought they were somewhere in the middle there was lots of sentimental admirers of christ wasn't there lots of people who followed him because he did great things but jesus in this statement at the end of the parable shows to the people that no one is neutral you cannot be neutral about jesus christ you cannot sit on the fence with jesus christ You see, if you're not with Christ, if you're not for Christ, then you are against him. If Christ is not your saviour, then Satan is still your master. And so this means tonight that everyone in this room falls into one of these two categories. If you're not gathering with Christ, then you're scattering with Satan. If you're not for Christ, then you're with Satan. Friends, you, you cannot be in this meeting tonight and be neutral about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's impossible. So let me ask you, which is, which is true of you? Is it Christ? Or is it Satan? You see, this verse demands an answer. It demands a decision. And so I'd implore you right now to think very carefully about which side you are on. Will you leave tonight still against Christ? Will you, will you leave tonight still bound by the devil, still under his influence? You can't be neutral. <coughs> I was reading something this week. I didn't, uh, perhaps other people here know about this, but there's an island. And it's right down on the border between France and Spain. It's in the middle of a river, right where the border divides the two countries and for six months of the year this island belongs to Spain and then for six months of the year the island belongs to France and there's a particular night when it changes hands and some email is sent to Lord Admiral, somebody in the French Navy or whatever and it changes hands. Six months it belongs to Spain, six months it belongs to France, really it's, nobody knows who owns it. And you you see the point that you can't, when it comes to Christ, you can't be for Christ one minute and against him the next. And for Satan one minute and against him the next. You're either for Christ or you're against him. And so as we said the question tonight, which is it for you? Well I trust and pray that all of us here it would be for Christ. That you would know that he can liberate you, that he can save you, that he can come into your heart and he can, as it were, bind Satan and cast him out. Who has this power and this dominion over you. And I trust that all of us here would leave free, liberated in Christ, who is mighty to save, mighty to deliver. And it comes, does not it, through faith in him.